Last weekend, as we finished our Easter series, we saw that before Jesus ascended on a cloud up into heaven, he gave his followers some final instructions. Are you in Acts chapter 1? He says uh, in verse number 4, 5, down to verse number 12, uh, he, he basically says two things in verses, uh, what is it, verse 5, uh, 4 and 5, and verse 8. He says two things. He says basically, he says, wait for the Spirit of God. And then he says, witness by the power of the Spirit of God. He says in verse 8, go uh, but you will receive power when you have received the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Uh, we saw last week, Mark sixteen fifty. he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The end of Matthew, Jesus said to his disciples just before he ascended into heaven, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, right? So he gave us, as his church, he gave us this mission. He gave us instruction. He gave us what it is we are to be about as his church. They had a mission, but they couldn't accomplish it on their own. They needed the Holy Spirit. They needed God's power. They needed spirit filling in order for them to, to accomplish what God had intended for them to accomplish. So Jesus told them what to do next. Just before he ascended, he told them what to do next. Go back to Jerusalem and wait. They weren't to get ahead of God's plan. They were not to rush ahead of God's timing. Nor were they to drag their feet. He told them exactly what they were to do. They were to stay in step with God's plan, taking one step at a time, following Christ's orders. And that's the title of our message tonight, following orders. And here's what I believe. I believe that if we are going to move forward in carrying out Christ's mission, just as this early church, if they were going to move forward in carrying out this mission that Christ had given them, they had to take the next step of obedience. They had to take a first next step of obedience. So here's the big idea for tonight. It's simply, obedience is always the first step in moving forward in the Christian life. Let me say it again. You might want to write down. Obedience is always the first step in moving forward in the Christian life. So we're going to look at three things tonight from uh, these, this early part of Acts that have to do with this matter of following orders, walking in obedience to Christ, right? The first one is one unconditional response. We see here that we are to respond with obedience to God. Jesus told them what to do, and what did they do? Look at verse number 12. He told them to go to Jerusalem and wait in verse 4, and in verse 12, what does it say? Then they returned to Jerusalem. Are you with me tonight? He said, the next step, the first thing you're supposed to do, go to Jerusalem and wait. And after you get the Spirit, then go witness. What did they do? They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They went back to Jerusalem. 
The basic idea, church, is that if we're going to move forward in our life with Christ, it begins with taking the next step of obedience to Christ. Jesus told his disciples before he went to the cross, if you love me, you will keep my commands. He says, this is John 14, 21, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. You you with me tonight? If you love Jesus, what do you do? You follow his orders. You keep his commandments. James says this, James 1, 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Amen? Charles Stanley says this. He said, Obedience is always the first step to discovering God's plan for your life. It's always the first step. Billy Graham said, God does not call us to be successful, but to be obedient. Should I say that again? God doesn't call us to be successful. He calls us to be obedient. And I would add this, obeying God is the only pathway to true success. I can give you a verse for that. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. What is that? Do it. Follow the commands, right? Obey it so that you so that you can carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. So obedience is where we are to begin the success of the gospel moving forward. As we read about it in, in the book of Acts, it began with some some followers of Jesus simply taking the next step of obedience, doing what he commanded, going back to Jerusalem and waiting for the Spirit. I love this. I love the fact, as you, as you read the book of Acts, I love the fact that the gospel going forward after Christ's ascent, it didn't depend on talent, right? These guys weren't talented, these, these guys weren't extraordinary. These guys didn't have PhDs. These guys were just normal, average, simple, ordinary men and women. They had their own problems, by the way. They all had their own faults and failures and, 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 and mess-ups in their past. They were a small, rather insignificant group of people. Look around the room. A rather small, insignificant group of people, not real talented, but they didn't need to be, right? They didn't need to be significant in and of themselves. Why? Because none of what we read in the book of Acts happened because of their power, their ingenuity, their abilities, it happened, all of this happened simply by the power of God as Jesus built his church. And where did it all start? It had to start with them taking steps of obedience. It started with God, but they had to take steps of 
obedience. You know, had the disciples decided to do something other than what Jesus told them to do, right? Do you suppose the book of Acts would have been written different? Do you think there'd be a different story? Would we even be reading the book of Acts? I mean, if the, Jesus ascends, he goes back to heaven, and they all decide, you know, well, let's go fishing. Let's, let's, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going home. I'm done with all this. Jesus is gone, you know. I mean, how many other things could they have done? I wonder if the gospel would have been stopped dead in its tracks. Now, look, God could have... God could execute a plan B, of course, but there was no plan B. There, there wasn't one. There was only a plan A. Go wait for the Spirit and then go witness by the power of the Spirit. The gospel going forward required obedience on the part of the disciples. And so if you keep reading through Acts, you'll find that these men and women, these followers of Jesus, obeyed God no matter what anybody else thought. No matter how they were threatened, how their, their li- they were threatened within inches of their lives, it didn't matter what people thought, how they were threatened, they were going to obey God. Look at chapter 4. Go to chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. Uh, here they are. They're, they're being questioned by the Sanhedrin. And this is what Peter says. He says, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. You know what Peter's saying there? Yeah. Hey, guys, we hear what you're saying. But we've been given a mission. <laughs> we can't help but be a witness because you know what? That's what... That's what our commanding officer told us to do. That's what Jesus told us to do. And again, go to chapter 5. Look at verse number 29. Here they are on trial. They're they're on trial for filling Jerusalem with the gospel teaching. Look at 529. Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than people. Charles Stanley says, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Right? Obey God and just leave whatever the consequences are. Leave those to him. You see, church, I really believe that this church is no greater than the faith and obedience of us as the people of this church. If if we're not going to operate on faith, trusting our God, if we're not going to take steps of obedience in our life as individuals and collectively, how are we ever going to accomplish the mission that God has given us to do? In your family, in your personal life, it's no greater, your personal life is no greater than your trust and obedience in God. Do you believe that? God God did not simply bring you here to simply sit in a service and hear precepts, to hear a message from God, right? To hear Bible messages, to learn information, uh, uh, to be instructed. He brought you here for more than that. Do you believe that? He brought you here uh, for more than just hearing the word. He brought you here so that uh, you would translate these precepts and principles, what we hear from the Word of God, into practices. That we would live out 
what we say we believe, that we would put it into practice in our life, that we would show what we believe by how we live. You know, throughout the Bible, you go back to the Old Testament, and you know what you find? God's people have always struggled with obeying God. Right? I mean, you go all the way back to the first people, and they were living in utopia and perfection in the Garden of Eden. They disobeyed God. And you look at God's people all the way through the Old Testament. I mean, think about the children of Israel. I mean, how many times were they instructed to make the right choice, to obey God? Joshua says this before he, before he passed on the mantle, before he died. He says, only carefully obey the command and instruction that Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you. To love the Lord your God, walk in his ways, keep his commands, be loyal to him and serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. But, but they chose otherwise often. In the book of Judges, it was like every 40 years or less, right? They'd serve God while a judge was alive and then they'd go right back into disobedience. And what I think we need to realize tonight as followers of Jesus and as his church, is that disobedience, no matter how seemingly small or insignificant it may be, it always stops us from moving forward with God. It always does. There's a verse about it in Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah says to God's people, he's speaking, this is God speaking through Jeremiah I did give them this command, obey me, and then I will be your God and you will be my people. Follow every way I command you so that it may go well with you. Yet, they didn't listen. Verses up on the screen. Yet they didn't listen or pay attention, but followed their own advice and their own stubborn, evil heart. And look what it says at the end of those verses. And they went, what does it say? Backward, not forward. You want to go backward in your Christian life? Here's how you do it. You just disobey. You just disobey God. You just ignore his word. You just ignore what he says. You just ignore what you know he has said. You just ignore the word of God and you will begin going backward and not forward. That goes for us as individuals. That goes for us collectively as a church. Disobedience always hinders forward progress with God. And so, if obeying God seems too costly, just consider how costly it is to disobey God, right? The children of Israel wander around the wilderness for 40 years. Why? They disobeyed God. God said, go in and take the land, and they couldn't trust God. They wouldn't obey God, right? Numbers chapter 13. And so they wandered around in the wilderness, and the vast majority of them died in the wilderness. The consequences of disobeying God are always far more vast, far more steep than actually the cost of actually obeying God, such as being threatened and persecuted, the things that we find in the book of Acts. Disobedience hinders forward progress. It hinders our prayer. It hinders power in our life. It hinders progress. And so we're to respond with obedience. 
How? How did these disciples obey? Let me give you a couple ideas here quickly. First of all, obey quickly. What does it say? Go back to Acts chapter 1. Jesus goes up in the cloud, verse 11. Verse uh, uh, 9, 10, 11. And what does it say immediately in verse 12? Then they returned to Jerusalem. Immediately, quickly. He's up in the cloud and they, imme- they quickly go to do exactly what he said. Luke chapter 24 and verse 52 says that the story continues. It's the same thing. They returned to Jerusalem. No delay, no hesitation, no procrastination. They just went. And church, that is how we are to follow Christ's commands. As we hear his word, we are to take the next step of obedience. Don't put it off till tomorrow. What do you know in your heart? What is it that God has been impressing on your heart some matter of obedience, some matter of disobedience going on in your life, and you know it, and yet you've just put it off, and you've procrastinated on that. It's hindering your forward progress. You're going backwards. The best time to do the will of God is when you are aware of what it is that is to be done. Right then. Obey quickly. Secondly, obey joyfully. Luke chapter 24 and verse 52. Jesus is carried up into heaven. And what does it say? They returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I love that. They're not dragging their feet, right? They're they're not moaning and groaning. They're not, you know, you ever tell your kids to do something and they stomp up the stairs, you know, they slam the door. You ever do it? Remember doing that when you were a kid, you know, like, like, Go to your room. You know, it's like, slam. It's like, I'm doing what you want me to do, but I'm not very happy. But that's not what we're reading about here. That's not what the disciples are doing. They're not grumbling like the Old Testament saints, you know, like constantly murmuring at God because God's told them to do something. They don't want to do it. No complaining. No murmuring. They take the next step of obedience with joy. With joy, with great joy. Hey, look, if you can't take the next step of obedience in your Christian life with joy, it's simply because there is something in the way. Deep down in your heart, you want your own way rather than God's way. And that's when we get mad. When God, when God says one thing and we want something differently, but know this, Going our own way never leads to lasting joy, right? Have you been down that path? Have you been down the path of strength, going backward, straying away from what you know God's word says, going your own way? The further you get down the, that road, the darker it gets, right? The gloomier it gets, the, the, the devil sells it as, this is the path to joy. This is, you'll be happy. You'll be free. Do your own thing. But the further we get from God, the further we get from real joy in our life. So obey quickly. Obey joyfully. And if you can't obey joyfully, then why not? What's going on in your heart? Where are you looking for joy? outside of God. 
The third thought here is to obey completely. What do they do? Well, they just follow Christ's orders unequivocally, unconditionally, unreservedly, comprehensively, and conclusively. They just do what Jesus said. They went to Jerusalem, they waited for the Spirit, and then when they had the Spirit, they began to witness all just like Jesus said. They left nothing that Jesus said undone. They didn't pick and choose what they wanted to do and what they didn't want to do. They just did exactly what Jesus said to do. Ray Pritchard said, partial obedience is disguised disobedience. I heard that in a message he was preaching this week, and I wrote that down. So true, isn't it? Partial obedience is disguised disobedience. If we don't obey God all the way, we're not obeying at all. So obey quickly, obey joyfully, obey completely. George Washington, first president of the United States, he said, the whole duty of man is summed up in obedience to God's will. Man, I wish we had a president like that, don't you? President who still say things like that. The whole duty of man is summed up in obedience to God's will. So I want you to, I want you to follow along with this. Everything from this point forward in your life with Christ, everything from our point forward, from, from this point forward in the life of this church, it depends upon our obedience to God. Why? Because it depends on God and God demands our obedience. Right? Depends on our obedience because it depends on God and God demands our obedience. And so we must obey. So let me ask you this question now. Why did they do it? Why did they go back to Jerusalem? Why didn't they just go back to life the way it was before Jesus? Why not just find something else to do? Something that wouldn't be so demanding. Something that wouldn't mean putting their lives on the line. Something that wouldn't cost them so much. Why not just go back to doing life another way and forget the gospel? Why go preach in Jesus' name? That was dangerous. Why obey? Turn to Acts 5. Because Peter tells us why. Acts 5. This is number 2. Peter and John, they're on trial. Why? Because they've, if you look at verse 28, they filled Jerusalem with their teaching. They're teaching about Jesus, right? They're obeying the orders that, that Christ left them, right? They're filling Jerusalem with their teaching, something they had already been threatened not to do in chapter 4 and verse 17. So what were they doing? They're following orders. And so being released, before they were released in, in chapter 5 and verse 40, they're flogged and they're ordered again not to speak in Jesus' name. What, what do they do then? Look at chapter 5. Verse 41 says, then they left rejoicing that they were worthy to be threatened and treated shamefully on the behalf of Christ. Then what do they do? Verse 42, every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued, what? Teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. <sighs> They're following orders, man. It doesn't matter what, how, or what or how they are threatened. Why follow orders? 
Obeying was only going to get, get them beat, beaten and, and threatened. Peter says in verse 29, why? He says, we must obey God. Why? He goes on to tell us, look at chapter 5, verses 30 and 31. Here he tells us why. We must obey God rather than men, verse 29 and verse 30. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to his right hand as ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things. They're following orders. They're witnesses. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who what? Obey him. Why obey? They've been threatened. They've been flogged. Why keep obeying? Two reasons. Number one, because Jesus is sovereign. Look what it says. God exalted this man, Jesus, to his right hand as ruler. Why obey Jesus? Because church, when you got saved, you got put in the king's army. You became a child of God. And as a child of God, as, as a member of God's army, you have, we have a commander-in-chief. The commander-in-chief, he makes the rules. He, he gives the orders. How many of you guys, anybody been in the military? I know Jerry's been in the military. Who else has been in the military? All right. Jerry, you the only one in the room tonight that's been in the military? Okay. Uh, how does this work? When, when a sergeant gives a command, you know, if he walks into some barracks and he says, does, I don't know if this ever happened for you, Jerry, but would, but would the, the, the sergeant come in and say, hey, guys, please get out of bed. Please. We got things to do today. It'd be really great if you'd get up. Is that what he, <laughs> is that what he says? You know, can you imagine when the guy say, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to get up today, Sarge. I'm going to sleep in today. I've had a, I had a long day yesterday. I'm just going to lay here for a while. That's not how it works. You know, the sergeant doesn't say, well, would you like me to bring you some breakfast in bed? I mean, what, what do you need? <laughs> Call your mommy? What, what, what do we need here? It's not how it works, right? He doesn't ask. He gives orders. You bunch of buzzards! Get your butts out of the bed now! Right? I mean, it's, it's like, it's a command. And those guys, man, they, they jump out of bed and they follow orders. Listen, God is God. He is the sovereign. It is His prerogative. It is His right to give commands. As the Lord of lords and the, the King of kings, He has every right to command His children. He's the God of creation and because he is and because he's the sovereign Lord, there can be no refusal of his commands. There can be no rebuttal. He says, he gives an order, he gives a command. We are simply to obey. I understand that we're free to choose, but in reality, we're not free to choose. Yeah, we're free to choose. We're free, to, we're free to say no to God. We're free to, to do our own thing. But listen, are we really free to choose in the sense that, yeah, we're free to choose, but we're not free to choose the consequences, <laughs> right? We, we can say no to God. We can go backwards, read the Old Testament, and what you'll find is that, man, the children of Israel, 
Yeah, they said, no, we're not going in to take the land, and they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. It was a sorry time out there in the middle of the wilderness. You see, we're not really free to choose. I mean, we are, but we really aren't. Because there's really only a choice, obey God or disobey God. That's the choice. That's really the only choice. Are we going to obey him? Are we going to go his way, do his thing, what, his, what he says? Or are we going to go our own way? Are we going to live according to our own plan? There was a, a man in the Old Testament. His name was Saul. He was the king of Israel. He was a handsome man. He was a, a strong man. and In many ways, he was a, a good man. But he chose to substitute his will for God's will. And he gave some silly excuse for it, right? Remember this? And Samuel the prophet came to him and he says, basically he says uh, to Samuel, he says, listen, he says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. He says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And so, yeah, he, could, he made a choice, but oh, what an awful choice. And that choice that he made cost him. In fact, God says that disobedience is witchcraft. I mean, when you disobey, do you ever stop and think, stop and consider that you're you're like playing with witchcraft? I don't know if we ever think of it that way. But that's that's what Samuel says. When we disobey, we put ourselves in the devil's territory we open ourselves up to the devil the bible says in romans chapter 6 whenever you yield yourself to someone you become his servant right and so if you refuse to obey god you're really obeying satan and when you obey satan you're practicing witchcraft rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and look i know that that we're just we're nice people right and and we would never think to ourselves or say that that while I'm not doing the will of God, I'm practicing witchcraft. We never think of ourselves as practicing witchcraft, but that is what we're doing by our disobedience. And Samuel was removed from being king. Why? He disobeyed. Saul, what did I say? Samuel? Saul. Yeah, Saul, thank you. Saul was removed from being king because he disobeyed. And so Jesus is Lord. Do you believe that? Do you confess that? If he is the Lord, if he is your Lord, he's the sovereign of all. You know, whether you confess it or believe it or not, he's still the Lord, right? But as a sovereign Lord, we are to follow his orders. Back in Acts, Peter gives a second reason why to follow Christ's orders Not only is Jesus the sovereign ruler, but he's also the Savior. See it in verse 31? And Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Why obey Christ? Just look at Calvary. Look at bloody Calvary. Look at the cross and see Jesus Christ hanging there and bearing your sin in his body and then tell me if you have a right to disobey God. We don't. 
You see, when we understand what Jesus Christ has done for us, obedience is a duty to be performed. It's a debt to be paid. But in reality, it's a delight, isn't it? It's a delight to obey the one who gave his life for us. We shouldn't have the idea that obeying Christ is something we have to do. We ought to see it as something we get to do. Obeying the Lord. Obeying Jesus Christ, the sovereign ruler and Savior. So, the last point I want to give you are the three uncomparable rewards. There's one response, there's two reasons, and there are three rewards. When we obey Christ, when we follow God's orders. Just like disobedience has its consequences, obedience has its rewards. And so as you read through these early chapters of Acts, I want to give you three rewards that we see here. The first one is supernatural power. If you look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. Verse chap- Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 4 and verse 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving testimony. You see the progression there? They were filled with the Spirit, and they went out and they preached with the supernatural power. And so I ask you tonight, do you want spiritual power in your life? Do you? Well, God's not going to give spiritual power to rebels. He's not. The only way to have spiritual power in your life is not to walk in the flesh. It is to walk in the spirit. And so obedience is a prerequisite for power. Don't we need God's power in our life? Do you sense your need for God's power in your life? I sense it in mine. I sense it for us as a church. We need God's power. We need his supernatural power to work in and through us. And what I believe, I believe that as the Holy Spirit of God works in us, if we will walk in obedience with him, as the Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us, I believe that God can do great things in our lives, our personal lives, our families. I believe that God can do great things, supernatural things through our church. I believe that. I believe that he can take a small group of people and I believe that he can do something supernatural through his own power if we will walk in obedience with him. If we will follow his orders. So there's supernatural power. And then the second reward that we see is supreme joy. Supreme joy. When we learn to obey, we're going to learn that that joy that everybody talks about in the Christian life, we're going we're gonna to learn all about that. We're going to have that joy in our lives. And we see this in the early part of Acts. If you look at chapter 2 and verse 46, we see them. They have joyful hearts. In chapter, four and ver- uh, chapter 5, rather, in verse 41, they, they go out from the presence of the Sanhedrin and they do so rejoicing after they had just been flogged and threatened. They, were, they left rejoicing. They had joyful hearts. 
You see, I really believe this church that if we are going to be a joyful Christian, we have to live in obedience to Jesus. We must live in obedience to Him. Disobedient Christians are not joyful Christians. If you feel like your joy is gone, listen, there's really one reason for that. In some area of your life, you're not walking in obedience to God. I think it's just that simple. You're just not walking in obedience to God. And that's something that can be corrected. That's something that can be changed. That is something that that, that can be adjusted in your life. And you can walk in obedience with Christ. There is no such thing as a happy, disobedient Christian. No such thing. Obeying God sometimes seems like the hardest road to take, but in the long run, it is the only life that brings real peace and genuine joy. Pastor David Jeremiah from California says, the happiest people I know are those who have an obsession to the obedience of God. The happiest people I know are those who have an obsession to the obedience of God. Would you say you are obsessed with obeying God? Charles Spurgeon said, Obedience to the will of God is the pathway to perpetual honor and everlasting joy. These are from men of God who have walked with God, who have experienced the joy of God. We can listen. We can learn something from them. If you want to find joy in life and everybody's after it, you know where it begins? Take the next step of obedience. What do you know that God wants you to do? Take that step of obedience and then the next one just keep taking steps of obedience the third reward <coughs> is sure victory sure victory you know it's what we see through these first chapters of acts we see these these disciples who went and waited and then began to witness and they were filled with the power of the holy spirit even though they were threatened, even though they were flogged, even though some of them were killed. You know what happened? The gospel advanced. The church went forward. People were saved. Chapter 2, verse 41. Peter preaches. People are saved. The Lord adds to the church. Chapter 5 and verse 14. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. Think about that. That's what it says. Multitudes were added to the Lord. Chapter 5 and verse 42, look at it. Every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And what happened as they did that? What happened as they followed orders? Look at chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, in those days... What does it say? The disciples were increasing in number. So, so follow me and I'm done. When we obey, the gospel advances. People believe. When we obey, people are saved. 
When we obey, the church moves forward. Listen, this is what God calls us to do. He calls us to make him known in our community, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to the people that we come in contact with. That is what God calls us to do. Why does life chat? Life Path Church exists to help people find life in Jesus and to follow his path in life. That's what we're here to do. And when we obey, the church moves forward and people in the community are saved and God adds to the number of disciples. I really believe this, that there are enough people right now in this room and half the church isn't here. But there are enough people right now. If we just, if it was just us, there's enough people here tonight to turn this city upside down, right side up for Jesus Christ. I really believe that. If we would simply become obedient Christians, like obsessively obedient to Christ. The church is no greater than the sum total of its people. If we don't personally walk in obedience, what does that say for the church walking in obedience? Does the church walk in obedience? If we, as members in the church, don't walk in obedience? No. The church only walks in obedience as I walk in obedience and as you walk in obedience to Jesus Christ. It's all of us. It's individuals, but it's all of us together, church. You see, this, 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 this idea of, of following Christ, it's not for somebody else. It's for me. It's for you. It's for all of us. John Maxwell said, true success is obeying God. You know, in the, in the church world, there's a lot of different, you know, there's, there's concepts out there, what people think is success, you know? What does it look like for a church to be successful? Forget all that. I believe that a successful church is one in which we as disciples of Jesus are walking in obedience to him following his orders, accomplishing the mission that he has given us as his people. Here's your life action. First of all, listen up. Be a hearer. We can't, we can't follow orders that we don't have any idea what they are. We have to be hearers of the word. We have to get into the word of God. And whatever the word of God says, we have to conform to it. We have to obey it. We, have, we must be a doer of it, a doer of God's word. So we have to listen up. We have to, we have to listen to the word of God as it's preached. We have to listen to the word of God as we read. We have to be able to accurately interpret it and apply it to our lives so that we can then live it out. And that's the second thing there. So listen up and live it out. Be a doer. Be a doer. I like what Charles Finney said, and I end with this. A revival is nothing else 
than a new beginning of obedience to God. A revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. You want revival? I want revival. You know where it starts? You know what it really is? It's just a matter of God's people walking in obedience, renewing this commitment of walking in obedience to Christ. So, what does all this mean? Well, it means that we have to personally, in our lives, allow God to examine us and show us, where am I walking, am I walking in any disobedience? Is there anything I know that God would have me to do? And I'm just, I'm just not there. I'm just not willing to do that. I have my plan. I have my will. This is what I want to do until we will conform to his will and follow his orders. We're really just walking in disobedience and that means we're walking backwards. We're going backward. My prayer for you is to go forward with Christ. That is my prayer for you. Go forward in your Christian life. One day at a time. One step at a time. Right? They just went to Jerusalem. They waited. He gave the Spirit. They went out and they witnessed. One day, one step, one moment in time, they just followed his orders. And I, I know, as we think about our own lives, where are we with this? Where are you in your walk with Christ? Are you obsessed with living in obedience to him? Look, maybe you're not. And what I would encourage you to do is maybe tonight is before we go, we're just going to have a moment, a, a few moments of prayer. I want to give you some quiet time just to, to pray and to think in your own life and maybe to ask God, hey, would you search my heart? Would you, would you reveal to me disobedience in my life? Where am I where am I not walking in full obedience to your word? What do we do with that? Confess it? Turn from that? Turn back? Walk in obedience? Maybe you're tonight, you're like, man, I just, I don't want to give up my way. What I encourage you to do is to pray and say, Lord, I, I, you know my heart. I don't, I really don't want to walk in obedience but I, I, I understand that I should. Would you change my heart? Would you give me a want? Would you give me a desire to walk in obedience? Maybe that's the prayer that you need to pray tonight. And so could we take a few moments for that? Would you just take a, a, a few moments to, to just bow your heads where you are? Say, God, would you search my heart? Show me. Reveal to me. Is there any diso disobedience in my life? Any sin that I need to confess to you? Would you in your heart tonight express to him a desire to obey him? Would you ask him to help you to walk in obedience? God will help you 
walk in obedience to him. If you want to walk in obedience, you yield yourself to his spirit, he will help you. In fact, it, it's not even really a, it's not a chore. It's not like you wake up thinking, oh, I got to obey God today. No, you just walk with Jesus and in his spirit and he gives you the want to walk in his, in obedience and follow his orders. As he transforms your mind, renews your mind and transforms your heart and your life. But it, it really comes down to just a, a matter in our heart of turning our will, submitting our will in obedience to him. And so could we just do this before we go? Could we just pray and say, God, would you help us to walk in obedience?